0: It's great to chat with people you already know and then also meet some people you haven't met yet. My name is Steve Atkins. I'm uh, the lead pastor here, and I love meeting new people. I really do. And uh, so if you're new here, and maybe you've been here for a week or two, or maybe this is your first time, I'd love love to meet you if I get a chance. So if you see me in the foyer or somewhere, just catch me and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Uh, if you are joining us online... We're excited that you have joined us online, and uh, we're thrilled about that, and so welcome. And uh, you know one of the ways you can engage if you're in the online space is just make a comment on there. let people know that you're there. Uh, we're thrilled that you've chosen to join us today. Well, if you're new, or if you weren't here last week, uh, we're in a series of talking about heaven. and my journey with about heaven is, uh, well, I'll tell you a few moments. when I was six. Uh, Two things that really affected me when it came to uh, thinking about heaven uh, were that I had uh, a fair amount of guilt over things I had done. By six, I already had a, you know, it's not like I had a criminal record, but I, you know, I had already, you know, could tell that there was not all was well in my life, and there was habits and things I had done that I felt guilty about. And the other thing was um, I had a healthy, well, maybe unhealthy, I guess, fear of death at that, part, at that point in my life. And so my, I'd heard teaching about heaven, I'd heard, t- heard teaching about hell, and, and heaven sounded nice, but hell was really, to be honest, the big motivator for me. I did not want to uh, experience that. And I remember at six was the first time I made that sort of commitment to the Lord to, um, to live for Him, and to ask Him for forgiveness, and to, I wanted to let Him, you know, the phrase I might have used back then was to let Him be the boss of me. And, uh, in, and uh, instead of me running my life. And, of course, that decision was, I made a lot of decisions when I was six. Uh, most of them I don't remember at all. That one I remember because it's affected my whole life. And I've come back and reinforced that decision again and again and again throughout my life. And the best decision I've ever made. Um, but heaven was good. That's how I saw it. But hell was the real motivator for my, my uh, turning to God at that time. And in my early 20s, I, I was reading what's what sort of become one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Philippians, and I read about how the Apostle Paul would talk, say that to live was, was great, and it was all about Jesus, but to die was better. To die is gain, he said. He said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And I thought, wow, if you had a choice between living and serving God... Or dying and being with God, Paul was saying, "This was the choice I'd make." I, 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 not that he was going to kill himself, but he just, if he, if he had to just choose, which was the better outcome, he saw that as the better outcome. And those verses really challenged me because I was young twenties, and I wasn't married yet, and there was some stuff I was looking forward to, to be honest. And here's Paul saying that if I died and all that was interrupted, that would be the better outcome. I realized. There was, uh, my understanding of heaven was shallower than it could be, that I could grow in my, this, this, the hope of heaven could become a greater hope in my life. And then another significant point in my journey was uh, a few years ago, we were teaching on, through the book of Titus here in the church. And I remember encountering the verse where it said that Jesus makes us his heirs. And what do we inherit? We inherit the hope of eternal life. And um, I remember reading that and and a a phrase came out of it I think in my just reflecting on that verse and that was this phrase and maybe you've heard me say it through the last few years I'm eternally rich And can never be made poor Because I have the hope of eternal life. That's my inheritance. I am one of seven kids So probably there's not a big inheritance coming my way from my mom and dad It's gonna get split seven ways and there's not a lot to start with but I have an inheritance of eternal life. The hope of eternal life is an inheritance that uh, Jesus has given me. And then six years ago, the hope of heaven got extra real in my life, and that was when um, my dad passed away. And I remember being, it was the night before the funeral, and there was a viewing of the body, and so we were, I was alone in the viewing room with my dad's body. And I remember just sort of saying at that time, like, this is temporary. This is just a, I haven't lost my dad. I, I've lost contact with my dad, but I haven't lost my dad because of the hope of heaven. Because my dad was trusting in Jesus to, to have wiped away his sin, to make him righteous, to uh, give him um, eternity with him in heaven. So this, if you're joining us in a series about heaven, and, and today I want to talk about what is heaven like now? What is heaven like now? If you were to die today, and if you were to go to heaven, what would it be like? Now, the first thing I'm going to say is probably the most shocking thing I'm going to say, and don't think I've totally lost my mind here. But the first thing about heaven now is that it's temporary. You okay? Hold on. It's not complete and total heresy, I don't believe, but just hang on. It is temporary. Now, what I'm, I'm not saying that heaven isn't eternal or that overall it is temporary. I'm saying that its present form is. Its present form is. You see, as a pastor throughout the years, I've done a, a number of funerals. And whenever a funeral would happen, I would often turn towards talking about the hope of heaven. And so people would say, well, where's grandma today? And I'd say, well, you know, here's what the Bible tells us. These things are, this is what life is like in heaven. But what I think was happening in doing that was, was I was I was sort of creating what I would call um, heaven stew. I was taking things that really should be. I was taking things that should really be uh, distinctly divided into different categories, and I was putting them all into one category. So let me try to explain. This is life now on Earth. I know some of you dads are thinking right now, Steve's sermons have really gone to pot. <laughs> Do you know someone who, who tells dad jokes all the time? You know, it Maybe true. So this is life now. For those who can't see it over there, I'll show you. This is life now on earth. And um, it was a great recipe. It was very good when God created the earth. Uh, but it's a corrupted recipe now. And we know that. Some parts of life are glorious and wonderful and awesome. And then some parts of life, they're really terrible. They're really horrible. And uh, so it's like God created this very good recipe and then human sin wrecked it. Uh, we, our pride, our sin, our selfishness, uh, it's, it didn't just corrupt us, but it corrupted the earth. And so that's, that's where we live now. We live in this mixed pot of um, some good and lots that's not good. And some days we're thrilled to be alive on planet Earth, and other days it's not great. That's how, where we live today. And so then there's the promise of heaven. The promise of heaven. And this is what I talk about heaven stew. I would, I'd be talking about, uh, you know, this is what it's like in heaven, and this is what it's like in heaven, and this is what it's like in heaven. But I came to the conclusion that some of the things that I was putting into the pot in what I call heaven stew, they actually were for another pot. And that's where this one comes in, the new heaven and the new earth. So here's earth, and here's heaven, and here's the new heaven and the new earth. The idea behind all this, I'm going to shift this so you guys can see that over there a little bit better. The idea behind this is that in the New Testament, when people talked about the hope that they had, they mostly were talking about this. They're talking about the new heaven and the new earth. So when I say that heaven is temporary, I'm just saying it's in its present form. So uh, God himself never changes, but what he has created, heaven and earth, are going to change. Let me give you some scripture for this so that you don't think I've totally lost my mind. Isaiah 65 and 7 says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. And then in Revelation 21, 1 to 2, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So, there's some ingredients that belong in heaven as it is now. Let me just say, remember I said this is a, coru- this is a corrupted recipe? I mean, this is a mixed pot and part of it's not great. You ever had that experience? You're eating some stew? and the beans are bad or something, or there's something in the, in the stew that isn't good, and it's sort of like every bite you're hoping you don't get one of those, right? Oh, it's terrible. So everything about heaven in its recipe is fresh and healthy and good. So that's great. But in the New Testament, when people talk about what their hope was, especially like the Apostle Paul or different writers, they were really talking about this. They were talking about the new heavens and the new earth. So the way I, I, here's a a way to think about it. Imagine uh, you're going on a flight. Uh, Let's say you're going somewhere really amazing, Hawaii. Say, you're going to go to Hawaii. Well, on your way to Hawaii, you're probably going to have to take a short flight to go to Vancouver first. So Vancouver and then Hawaii. Okay? So when you're in the Regina Airport and someone asks you where you're going, what do you tell them? Do you say, I'm going to Vancouver? No, most likely you say, I'm going to Hawaii because this is where your focus is, Hawaii. Well, it's the same in the New Testament. People who are living in this earth would say, we long for this earth. Uh, 2 Peter 3.13 spells this out. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, even the Apostle Paul Uh, he he lays out in 2 Corinthians 5, he's talking about a new body, a new body. That's what he's talking about. And in there, he lays out, like, his first preference, his second preference, and his third preference. Let me read it to you. He says, while we live in this tent, that's our bodies, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, our future bodies, so that what is mortal... May be swallowed up by life. So he's saying he's talking about tents and eternal dwell, or uh, you know, eternal dwellings. But his desire is to go from this life to this life. And what what's the difference between this and this? Well, the difference is that the second coming of Jesus. In the New Testament, the believers long for the second coming of Jesus. And what would come with the second coming of Jesus? Well, resurrection of, from the dead, new bodies, a new heaven, and a new earth. So some of those ingredients are only in this pot. And some of them aren't in this pot. These are all fresh. These are all good. This is a great recipe. And that's what I'm talking about today. But I want you to be able to see to visualize this so that you understand the progression of hope in, uh, in the New Testament. So, back to 2 Corinthians 5, right? He's, he's told his first preference. He wants to go from living in this tent to be alive when Jesus comes again so that he'll have a resurrection, bo- to go from this body that we live in now, which he calls a tent, to his eternal body. Okay? We'll talk about this more in the, in the weeks to come. So that's his first preference. Then he goes on to talk about second and third preferences. In verse 6 he says, We know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. That's where we're at. For we live by faith, right now, not by sight. And then, but we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, first preference I just want to go from this body to the new heaven and the new earth and experience all that God has in store for his people. That's what this is. But my second preference would be, if I'm not going to be alive when Jesus comes again, but if I'm going to die early, my second preference obviously is to be with the Lord in heaven, as heaven is now. And then my third preference is to live by faith and not by sight in this life, serving the Lord, introducing people to Jesus, helping their joy in Jesus and their satisfaction in him increase as they come to know him more and more. So Paul's three preferences, number one, number two, and number three. All of them were about Jesus, but they are different. They're different pots. They're different outcomes. So yeah, I used to put it all into one. I used to pour it all into here when I would be at a funeral and I would say, talk about new bodies here, I'd talk about different things here. But I've come to see as I read the Bible more and more that there's a distinction and there's a progression. So when I say that the heaven now is temporary, I'm saying not that it isn't great. It is. It's way better than this. But there's even more yet to come. So... Here's the second thing I, can t- I want to tell you about heaven now. Again, we are talking today mainly about this pot, even though I've introduced this, which we'll talk about in the next two weeks. The second great thing about... Well, let me tell you a story first. So in my mid-20s, my favorite place on earth was Eston, Saskatchewan. Can you believe it? I mean, I'm telling you the truth. That was my favorite place on earth. But then it changed. It changed. And my new favorite place on earth became Regina, Saskatchewan. Now you're having an even harder time believing this, aren't you? (laughs) And then it changed again. And my favorite place on earth became Melfort, Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. We got some, some people like that. And then it changed again. And it went back to Regina being my favorite place on earth. And eventually became Nipawin, Saskatchewan became my favorite place on earth. He's saying, what is wrong with you, Steve? What? Seriously. Why were those my, can anyone take a guess at why those places were my favorite place on earth? Because <laughs> that's where Marnie was. You got it. You got a thousand gold stars. I'm not sure what they're worth, but anyhow. It's where, so that's where my crush was in Eston, and that's where my, my girlfriend was in Regina, and that's where my fiancé was in Melfort. And that's where my wife was in Nippon. My favorite place on earth was where she was. Hi, honey. <laughs> Still is. My favorite place on earth is Moose Jaw because she's here. <laughs> yes, yeah, same person. Just, just good of you to check. Thanks. Thanks for the care and concern. So my favorite place on earth is where my favorite person on earth is. And this is very similar to our view of heaven. Why is heaven so much better by far than this life? Well, it's where Jesus is. Revelation 21 and verse 3 talks about, and now in this verse it's talking about this, this, this one. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So anywhere that God is dwelling is going to dwell with His people, we would call heaven. In fact, I would call this the present heaven and this the eternal heaven. I borrowed that from uh, an author I'd read. So, presently, where is God? Where is Jesus? He's in a resurrected body in the present heaven. So, this is our favorite place. For believers, This this is our favorite place. Even though we anticipate something even greater yet to come, this is our current favorite. So, Colossians 3.1 says this, when you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And in Philippians 1.23, I read it all before, uh, Paul says, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will be in fruitful labor for me, Yet what shall I choose? I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So, he's saying clearly, this is better by far, but, but I think God's got an assignment for me still here, so I'll stay. But I, But this is what I'd choose if I had to choose. Because that's where Jesus is. You know, when you're a young child, you can hear the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. And you can understand in a basic form that Jesus loves you. But what I've discovered over my life is, is it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's more substantial than that. Jesus loved me and Jesus loved you first. Before anyone else knew you were coming into existence, Jesus loved you. And then he loves you most. I mean, in this life, we might experience great loves, people who love us, but our love is still, it's a mixed pot, right? There's still sin and selfishness at play. There's still conditions sometimes that we put on our love. There's still some people where you know you can get their approval, but you're going to have to jump through some hoops to get it. And here comes along Jesus, and he says, I love you. Before we've done a single thing for him, before we've even responded to him, God so loved And Jesus in God so loved the world before the world cared, before the world responded, before the world was responded in any way towards him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting love. So he loved you first, he loves you most, and his design is to love you forever in heaven. Here's the third thing about heaven. It's a tangible place. It's a tangible place. Uh, When you read descriptions in the Bible about heaven, there's lots that seems to be very physical. And uh, I don't know how far to go in this because, you know, there's some debate over this, but there's several things that sort of indicate that there's something, there's tangibleness to heaven. So here's the first one in uh, Hebrews 8. And five, it says, earthly priests serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. So the priests in Israel, they had built a, a temple, and it was, And he- Hebrews tells us it's a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. So if the copy is a physical building, then maybe that suggests the original was a physical building. It seems to say that earth is, many scriptures say that earth is the copy and heaven is the source. So if the, if the copy is physical, maybe the, the, the original is physical. Hebrews 12, 22 talks about how we've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So the new Jerusalem is something that's uh, in the present heaven and will be here. In Revelation 21, 3, it says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And so heaven comes to earth, is coming together in heaven and earth. And it's described very much as physical a physical place with a, a city with streets and gates and um, trees and things, etc. It's described very physically, and it's saying that, that New Jerusalem is in the present heaven right now. So that sounds like it's, it's very physical. Um, Jesus on the cross has the one of the thieves on the cross turns to him and, say, and says, You know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, he, and Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, paradise is a word, it sort of has the root of the word paradise goes back to the walled gardens that kings would have in the ancient like Persian or Greek empires. So you take the best of nature, and then you take the best of human construction and create this little walled garden. And it was a place of rest and peace. And, um, but it's a very physical description to talk about paradise. So, again, another hint that heaven there is a physicality to heaven or a tangibleness. Revelation 2.7 says, To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So in heaven, currently, there's the tree of life. Now this is from, again, if you know your Bible a little bit, you might know that Genesis, the tree of life is there on, on the earth. Now it says it's in heaven. And then the Bible makes a question to say that that tree of life will be in the new heaven and new earth. So if, you're gonna, if that was something to eat, and you can eat and you will future eat. It sort of seems like it's all pretty physical. So, again, hints that, that the heaven that exists right now is, is a physical thing. The other thing is Jesus is there in a resurrected body. Again, I'm not trying to steal too much from future sermons, but Jesus is in a resurrected body. So that was a resurrected Now, when Jesus died and rose again, people could recognize him. Sometimes they were kept from recognizing him, but mostly they recognized him. So it's a physical that you can see. Uh, Also, he ate fish and bread in that body. That sounds very physical, right? He invited people to touch him. Very physical. So Jesus will be there. At least we know one will be there in a physical body. There's a couple other guys who might also be there in physical bodies because uh, uh, Enoch and Elijah, they both went to heaven Without dying. There were two. So they might be there in physical bodies. Also, Elijah and uh, Moses, they make a guest appearance at the transfiguration. And I think that they're visible. So I don't think it's just apparitions. Apparitions, they're probably there in a physical body. So there's probably about four or five physical bodies that we know of in heaven. Here's a question I don't know the answer to and I wonder about, and I haven't, all my looking into things haven't got me to a conclusion. Is there a temporary body that we will? Uh, inhabit when we're in heaven. Of course, the resurrection from the dead with a glorified body, a body like Jesus's, is here. And so even if we're in heaven and there is some sort of temporary body, we'll still be looking forward to this body yet to come. So I don't know if there is a temporary body here or not. So, but again, there's many things that lead us to think that there are very tangible, physical things in heaven. Let me read to you um, Revelation 6, 9 to 11. It says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been so here are these martyrs, and they're in heaven, this one. And they're saying, and, and, and they're aware of stuff that's going on on the earth. I mean, some people, I think, have taught that, you know, you get to heaven, you won't even care at all about what's going on on earth. But you know what? The drama of what God is doing in the, in the universe is still unfolding on the earth. If you die and go to heaven, I mean, front court is here. I mean, it's here. Sorry. Front court is here. So are people aware? It does seem like that, you know, there is some leaning towards, it does seem like there is an awareness. You think, wow, man, if I knew what was going on on the earth, all the suffering and all the difficulty there, well, then heaven wouldn't be heaven. I think there's two things that could change that for us. One is the presence of Jesus and how that will change things dramatically for us. And I don't think we can fully understand how much that will change things. And the other thing is the perspective of eternity. I think that we can be aware, I don't think that we get to heaven and then, you know, all our memories are erased, we won't know each other anymore, we won't remember our life down here, and I don't think we're totally disconnected from what's happening back here too. And one of the reasons for that is uh, Luke 15.10 talks about there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when one person comes to know Jesus, basically. So if there's rejoicing in the presence of the angel, who's doing the rejoicing? in the presence of the angels. It doesn't say specifically that the angels are the ones doing the rejoicing. It says in the presence of the angels they'll be rejoicing. So I think that's people. And so heaven is going to be a place of rest, and I think we will remember things on our earth and I think we will be aware of some of the things that are here. Again, check your bible see if I'm preaching outright heresy. <laughs> look at look these things up. I've been looking them up. I've been I've been reading them. I don't think these things are off but I do want to be open to conversation with these things, but I think that the presence of Jesus and the perspective of eternity and what God is doing will be rejoicing, I believe, when people come to know Christ on the earth. It seems to, be, it seems to teach those things. So it's a place of I talked about these It's, it's, a, tan, it's a, a tangible place, I believe. How tangible? I don't know. Will we have temporary bodies? That one I don't know and I really am curious about. But I know that we'll still be a place of anticipation because not all the good things, not every good thing that he has in store for us will be here. Some of it will still be anticipating yet to come. Here's the final thing. It's a place that's been prepared for you. John fourteen one to six. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you I'm coming. Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. That I that you also may be where I am. So then he goes. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas jumps in and says, Lord. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me read you a story. This is written by Ruthanna Metzger. She is a, uh, she's a professional singer, is what she wrote. She says, as a professional singer, it was not unusual to be asked to sing for a wedding, but it was a bit unusual to sing for the wedding of a multi-millionaire. I knew the wedding would be picture-perfect and I was pleased to be able to participate, but when the invitation to the reception arrived, I knew it would be something exceptional. The reception was held on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower, the Northwest's tallest skyscraper, and it was even more wonderful than I imagined. There were waiters wearing snappy black tuxedos who offered luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages for the most discriminating tastes. The atmosphere was one of grace and sophistication. After about an hour of merriment, the bride and groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase that led to the top floor. A satin ribbon, which was draped across the bottom of the stairs, was cut, and the announcement made that the wedding feast was about to begin. The bride and groom ascended the stairs, and guests followed. What a lavish event of which to be a part. A gentleman with a lovely bound book greeted us when we reached the top of the stairs. May I have your name, please? I am Ruthanna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy Metzger, I replied. The gentleman searched the M's. I'm not finding it. Would you spell it, please? I spelled it slowly and clearly. After searching throughout the book, the gentleman looked up and said, I'm sorry, but your name is not here. "'Without your name in this book, you cannot attend this banquet.' "'Oh, there must be some mistake,' I replied. "'I'm the singer. I sang for the wedding.' "'The gentleman calmly answered, "'It doesn't matter who you are or what you did. "'Without your name in the book, you cannot attend this banquet.' "'As I looked around the room, I thought briefly of running to the groom "'and trying to plead my case. "'But with the hundred guests on the stairs behind us "'and every place at the tables assigned according to thoughtful choices "'by the bride and groom, I stood silent.' The gentleman with the book motioned to a waiter and said, "'Show these people to the service elevator, please.' We followed the waiter past beautifully decorated tables laden with shrimp and whole smoked salmon and even gracefully carved ice sculptures, and adjacent to the banquet area was an orchestra, its members all dressed in dazzling white tuxedos prepared to fill the room with glorious music. We were led to the service elevator, stepped in, and the waiter himself pushed G for garage." My husband thoughtfully did not say a word, nor did I. As Roy drove out of the Columbia Tower garage, we both remained silent. After after driving several miles in silence, Roy reached over and gently put his, his hand on my arm. Sweetheart, what happened? And then I remembered. When the invitation arrived for the reception, I was very busy and I never bothered to return the RSVP. Besides, I was the singer. Surely I could get into the reception without returning the RSVP. As we drove on, I began to weep. I was not weeping because I just missed the most lavish banquet of my life. But I was weeping because suddenly I knew what it would be like someday for people as they stand before the entrance of heaven. People who are too busy to respond to Christ's invitation to his heavenly banquet. People who assumed that the good things they'd done... Even perfect church attendance or singing in the choir would be enough to gain entry to heaven. People who will look for their name in the Lamb's Book of Life and not find it there. People who did not have time to respond to God's gracious invitation to have their sins forgiven and accept him into their hearts. And then I wept again because I was so grateful that I had, many years earlier, received Christ as my personal Savior and can be confident that my name is written in the most important book of all, the Lamb's book of life. See, Jesus has prepared a place for you, but you must respond. You must respond. He offers his, his forgiveness for anything you've ever done, any sin, whether it's one people know about or one only you know about. He's willing. He stands ready to forgive, but you must respond. You must recognize your need for his forgiveness, your need for his leadership in your life. And recognize that he offers you an astounding hope of eternal life with him in heaven. I'm going to just walk through a prayer here this, this morning. It's the kind of prayer you could pray any day. You could pray it every day of your life, and it would make, it would make, be meaningful, but it's especially meaningful if it's the Uh, the prayer that you use to commit your life to Christ, to offer him all that you are, to receive his forgiveness for your sin, and to gain a great inheritance, the hope of eternal life in heaven with him. I'm going to ask you as a congregation to repeat this after me. And for some of you, you've prayed this prayer many times. For some, it might be your first. If it is, the Lord will hear you. You'll hear exactly your heart and your desire to be made his. Would you repeat this after me? Dear Father, thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, this moment, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate those who have decided to be baptized, and uh, I'm just going to invite Pastor Chris to lead us in that moment.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Steve. That was some good cooking, wasn't it? Thank you, Steve, so much for leading us through that and sharing the word and keeping our eyes on eternity. I know that we've had a full service, and I know that these pots up here have everybody thinking about the stew that's waiting at home for you when you're hungry. Uh, We've got one more uh, part of our service that we get to partake in, and I hope you're excited. This is huge. We're going to be celebrating um, a few baptisms. Um, And so I think I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a change here. I think we're going to, the guys are going to queue up um, a video here so we can introduce those that are taking their next step uh, in their faith uh, in being baptized today. So we'll sit and we'll watch that. And then after that, I'm going to invite kind of everybody that's getting baptized, uh, their friends and their family, extended family that are kind of here to support them. We'll kind of gather them up in behind the, the baptismal tub and I'll share just a few thoughts on baptism, with that, okay, so for now, uh, let's hear from those getting baptized. there's no video? Oh there was a link out there. okay, well, um, the link the link for um, the baptisms will be will be available um, through online, unless Crystal cues it up here really quick. why don't I jump in so Baptism, what is baptism? Well, baptism is an outward and public expression of an inward and private faith. And uh, that's what uh, those being baptized today, they're taking the next step in their journey and making a public declaration of their faith in Jesus. Now, while this is something that's meaningful to them privately, they're making this decision and doing it publicly, it's also something that's meant to be shared for us Together as a church, you'll have noticed that uh, towards the end of Pastor Steve's service, there was some shuffling and some filing in over here. So we have all of our kids in here from elementary. Hello, it's good to see you all. You're all looking great. Hey, you know me from baseball, Mega like Sports Camp. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys to give me a hearty shout in just a second. So don't miss your cue. Okay. Okay. The other end of it is, is that we've got our Hillcrest teens have come in. But it's important for us as we witness baptism that it's something public, that as they're taking a step, really it's, it's them putting their faith in Jesus. They're becoming part of the family of God. It's, it's important for us. And so by way of a bit of an instruction is that when they're up here and uh, there'll be some questions that are asked and they'll respond to them and then they'll be baptized, their part is agreeing and going through the baptism. Our part is is when they come up out of that water, it really is symbolizing a new creation and an entrance into God's family. So we need to cheer, okay? That's our role. We need to cheer like we're excited. And so, kids, can you give me an example of the cheer that's going to happen when they come up out of the water? On three, two, one. Oh! Okay, now church... Do you think you have it in you? Can you give me an example of the cheer you're going to give when the people come out of the water in three, two, one? (laughs) Hillcrest, sometimes you've disappointed, today you have not. I especially like how I've seen, literally seen people putting their hands over their ears in the crowd. That's phenomenal. Anyways, when it comes to baptism, it really is absolutely all about identity, All about your new identity and one of the things we do when we baptize is we baptize in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit now what does that mean well each all three of those speak to our identity the name of the Father yes I realize the thumbs up at the back this is all positive this is great Um, it's all about it's all about our identity so God the Father baptizing in the name of the Father it's identifying with so God the Father he's instructed that we call him father he's a loving father the love of the Father. And so our identity, as we're baptized, it's agreeing that we're loved by God, that he's our Father. We're part of the family of God. It's awesome. We're also baptized into the name of the Son, Jesus, the one we put our faith in, the one who came down from heaven to be nailed to a cross for our sins. God, who didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, So he humbled himself, taking on the very nature of a servant. And this is the life that he calls us to as we follow him. As he invites us to follow him, it's not to lord it over others, but it's to serve humbly as servants. So we find our identity peace in Jesus, to be like him, to be an example and a servant. And we're also baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, the empowering presence of God, that was with Jesus to be able to do all kinds of awesome, amazing miracles that God had had established and set up for him to do. And part of our identity is understanding that we too are to be filled with God's empowering presence to be about God's purposes here in this earth. So baptism is all about identity. I've gone on for a bit now. Why don't we take a note from the Uh, video here and hear from those that are getting baptized today.
2: Hello, Hillcrest. I'm Alicia. I work at Joe's Place and this is my youth,
3: Abby. And she's getting baptized. (laughs) My name is Sarah
4: and I'm eight.
5: Hi, well, I'm Janet. I grew up in Graalberg.
4: I'm Abby Feuer. I'm in grade 11 at Peacock. Um, I have a mom and I have my younger brother that Mm -hmm. also attends Hillcrest.
5: I have three children. I have one grandchild and uh, lots of fur babies and I think that's all I'm going to be having with my other two children is fur babies.
3: My parents are Dan, Carissa. My siblings are Olivia, Naomi, Sam,
4: Morgan, Avely, Ethan. Um, My mom and I are pretty close. She's like my best friend. I tell her everything. Um, And my little brother is also my best friend. He's super cool, but we fight a lot because, yeah, he's seven. Because he's seven.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I like to draw in my free time.
5: I was brought up in a Catholic background, I guess, and when I got married, my husband had an aunt and uncle that had left the church and went to the Apostolic in in Assiniboia, and I started going to Bible study with them. Once we left there, for some reason I never did find that opening again, till we moved back into saskatchewan and we were in forcopel and i started going to the alliance church there uh, i was there for quite a few years and then ended up moving to melville and completely dropped everything i got divorced and ended up in a very dark place and just kind of stayed there then with the pandemic that that really got worse because I was also in a 12-step program where I never got to be with my people so my hole got bigger and darker.
4: I never really had like any trust in what was happening in my life. I didn't know my self-worth. I just kind of lived day to day and sad and I was just like okay I'm gonna live next day and it's gonna be horrible because I'm going to do nothing in my life and I'm going to go nowhere and I just, I didn't love myself.
5: Once we moved to Moose Jaw we had gone to a dance and there was a lady there One at that I got introduced to and she asked me if I wanted to go to church and I said sure, uh, where and when? And
4: <laughs> I always believed in Jesus, um, I never prayed, I never really knew much about him but then I went to Joe's place on their Cypress Hills camping trip and I was like oh! this is a bunch of Christians. I never knew this. Um, so I sang along with the worship songs. I was like, cake, cool, whatever. Went back to my regular life. And then it was actually Thanksgiving dinner where Alicia actually taught me how to pray <laughs> for the first time. And I was like, this is super cool. So then for a couple months after I started just praying during my morning routine, walking to school, I just talked to God casually being like, protect the people in my life. I.
5: Came to Hillcrest, and the day I came was the day Hillcrest was doing their baptisms. I guess the it, the lights went on, and it was I'm in the right place. I'm in, I'm here at the right time, and I'd never seen water baptisms before, so it was it was amazing, absolutely amazing, and I'm so grateful that she reached out and said. Do you want to come to church? Because if she hadn't, I wouldn't be here.
3: I decided to follow Jesus ever since I was born.
4: I was dabbling around for a little bit. I go to church every Sunday, and I went to all these events, and I pray every night, but I never really made the step to completely follow Jesus. Um, But then at Youthquake, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not dabbling anymore. I'm going to lock it in so um yeah there was a testimony night and alicia asked me if i'm ready and i was like yeah i am i've had that empty
5: hole for a long time and since i've moved here and and decided to do this that hole is and that darkness is going away it's because i'm i've surrendered to say here i am I I want to be in your life, I want you in my life. The growth that I've felt since I've been here, it's day by day, but it's massive compared to what it was a year ago. Hillcrest is inviting and understanding, and I've learned so much that with each sermon, it's like, oh, okay, he's a patient father. I'm just very grateful that I'm here.
3: That he cares for me and no
4: matter what I do, he forgives me. I'm going to be a lot happier and a lot more joyful with my life. He knows my life, so it's just up to me to follow his directions.
3: No matter what I do, he cares
4: and I will always follow him. I want to be baptized because it's going to be the ultimate bath where <laughs> I'm going to get finally so cleaned, um, where my old self where I hated myself where self-harm was my best friend, where everything and mental illness was just killing me. I'm going to actually kill that and become a new person because I want to feel the happiness and I believe that baptism is going to be much doing that.
5: Being baptized is my way of saying, um, I love you. And thank you for waiting for me.
4: Um, my favorite Bible verse is John 14, 1. Don't let, your, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me.
3: John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life.
5: If you fix your thoughts on God, God will fix your thoughts. I do want everyone to know that God is my Lord and Savior.
3: I want everyone to know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior.
1: Well, that says, that says it all, so can I get Janet and Abby and Sarah, bring your families, bring your extended families, bring your friends, anybody that if you're a relationship with these uh, people and you want to support them, please come up on stage. I'll ask you just to gather around uh, the baptismal tank over here. Uh, we have a number of pastors and dads and people helping out. Um, just as they're coming, come on on, make your way up, come up to the stage, just as they're on their way up, I just want to say something to our church. You know, as they were sharing, as they were sharing, I couldn't help but feel as though this is God's heart for Musha. Right? We've got an adult represented, we've got a youth and a student represented, and we've got a child represented. And you know, God isn't just interested in calling adults. He's not just interested in calling young people. He's not just in, interested in having children follow him. He's interested in having absolutely everyone respond to his call. Gather on! Oh, this is an awesome crowd. This is so good. Come on up. Find some space. Uh, just uh, maybe I, uh, this was a bad time to, uh, Janet, you're up first. <laughs> so Janet and her crew, if you can come up front. I'm going to pass things over to Kurt. He's going to lead uh, Janet's baptism.
2: Stand this way and look at all these lovely people. They're here to celebrate with you. I got to know Janet through uh, Alpha this year, which was, uh, was awesome. So you all saw the video, so we're just going to ask uh, Janet just a couple of questions here. Uh, you know, you've said in the video you've surrendered. You love Jesus and you want to be baptized here today to let everyone know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Is that true? It sure is. <laughs> it wasn't just video editing. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do, and this is her friend, Lorianne, who's played a a key part in her uh, faith journey over the years. So we're going to baptize you. So Janet, upon your confession of faith uh, in Jesus, um, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Janet, you can stay there just for a minute. We want to we bless you in prayer. We want to bless you in prayer and celebrate with you. So would you join with me in praying? Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for this incredible moment in Janet's life. And I'm mindful of, again, how um, there was, these are not the only waters to pass through, but uh, I was thinking of the Israelites passing through the, the Red Sea. Uh, and they walked through into victory, uh, and everything that was pursuing them from their past life, the enslavement of Egypt, all was dealt with as they passed through those waters. And I just pray for Janet as she steps into this new life, that the things of her old life, uh, maybe even as she described it as a a darkness, that that would disappear, but instead she'd step into new life, the abundant life uh, that you invited her to. So we want to bless her and celebrate her. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Awesome. We're proud of you, Janet. If we can have Abby and her crew come on up. Abby, you can come step in the tank. got
4: to get my socks off. I keep them on.
1: Come on up. Yeah, come on and as a word of advice, I'd stand towards the front of the tank middle tank standards. There we go. Um, yeah, so I've gotten to know Abby a little bit. Actually, uh, we met uh, together, uh, me, her, and Alicia. Uh, Alicia knows her, uh, she's kind of like your small group leader from Joe's Place. Uh, and obviously, Joe is up here where you've connected. And church, aren't you just so excited that we have an incredible partnership with Joe and and, and that they share these meaningful baptisms with us? Abby, come step up just a little bit closer. So, Abby, I'm going to ask you the official questions, and then uh, Joe's going to and Alicia are going to baptize you. Uh, and then, uh, Joe, are you praying? And then Joe's going to pray for you at the end. Uh, so, Alicia, um, do you believe that God. Oh! Abby. They both start with A. Okay, both of you in the tank. Let's just. No. Abby, do you believe that God loves you and that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins? Yes. Um, have you put your trust in jesus as your savior and your lord
4: a hundred percent yep
1: and is it your desire to live a life that honors god through the power of the holy spirit
4: yes thumbs up two (laughs) two thumbs up
6: abby upon your confession of faith we baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit And jump out if you want. All right, I'll pray for Abby. Abby, it has been a pleasure, just a pleasure seeing you grow in your faith. Let's pray. Lord, we just lift up Abby. We thank you so much for her. We thank you for all the gifts and talents that you've given her. Uh, just this lovely, gifted, beautiful, talented young lady. Uh, we thank you for her gifts in art, and, and how witty and funny she is, and uh, just how you've given her so many gifts. Um, just her ability to connect with people, that's just so incredible. And the way she's just come out of her shell as she started to follow you, uh, she used to be scared to just be in a crowd, and now she grabs a mic and just commands the attention of a whole crowd at Joe's Place. We just thank you for that, for giving her those gifts. We just pray that you'd bless her, Lord, and uh, that you'd protect her. If the enemy does anything to try to, like, give her doubt, uh, we just pray against that in Jesus' name, that she would grow in her faith, she would be strong, she would continue to help others, reach out to her peers. And, uh, Lord, now we ask actually for help for us as the church, her church family, that we would help her grow, that we would be reminded to pray for her. Uh, to encourage her when she needs encouraging, to um, keep her accountable, to just be there whenever she might need us. And uh, finally, Lord, we just lift up her family, her incredible family, pray for Bo, her little brother, just this awesome little firecracker of a man that, uh, that just has so much going for him. Just protect him, encourage him, go with him wherever he goes, and for their mom, that she would just be blessed and continue to do an awesome job to raise these two kids, these incredible kids, and we just pray blessing on their home, that they would have peace in their home, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
1: All right, Sarah, come on up. Sarah, come on up and take a step in the baptismal tank. And helping to baptize Sarah, we've got Dan up here, and then uh, Miss Laura is going to pray for you. Just come up, just a little bit more to the front. You're getting taller. We don't want to bang your head on the back. Um, So Sarah, I'm going to ask you the same questions that I had asked Abby. Abby. What is, I'll, be, I'll be dipped. Nice. Uh, Sarah, we heard from your video about you putting your trust in, in Jesus. I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Do you believe that God loves you and that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins?
3: Yes. Nice.
1: Um, have you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Yes. Nice. And uh, is it your desire, Sarah, to live a life that honors God the power of the Holy Spirit yes nice then do you want to cross your arms and plug your nose
7: Let's pray for Sarah. Lord God, we thank you for Sarah and the exuberance and joy and light she brings in every situation she comes into because she is your child. She is your light carrier. And Lord, I thank you for the confidence that Sarah has that she is fully loved by you. And I pray that that would go with her every day of her life. Lord, I pray today as we learned about putting on the helmet of salvation and how that speaks of our identity, I pray that her mind and her heart would always be guarded through this salvation, through your gift. Lord, I pray that she would continue to put on your armor and stand as a warrior for you. And Sarah, I just feel that the Lord says that you are a worshipful warrior, that as you worship him, your heart for worship, that is a weapon that you use to stand against the enemy. And so take that weapon of worshiping God with you all through your life when you are facing those hard days, okay? Jesus, we thank you that your word is truth, and we pray for all the things that have been planted in Sarah's heart, that her roots would grow deep in your love and keep her strong and safe, and she would know how high, how wide, and how deep your love is, and that that would keep her safe in you. We praise you for your work in her, and we ask you to continue it and strengthen her Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you,
1: Hillcrest. Uh, We're going to conclude our service, but I believe the band is going to lead us in one more song, so we're going to go out celebrating. So if you're on the stage, you can make your way back or just take a step off the stage, uh, and we're going to celebrate together.
2: That was awesome. Uh, Let's all stand and we'll worship together. We actually have two more songs. Um, But let's have a little praise party and celebrate these baptisms together. You unravel me With a melody You surround me with deliverance from my enemies